What's up, 11.30? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you're joining us as we close out this final week of this series called Multiply. Before we dive into that, though, let me just reiterate a couple things. Man, we are, are, are super excited about next weekend and our groundbreaking ceremony for the expansion of this location. We believe that God is up to something big right here in Parkland, and we're seeing more and more people come to Christ than we've ever seen before, and we're excited about expanding this facility and uh, breaking ground next weekend at five o'clock. We love to invite you and your family out to be a part of that. We'll have some bounce houses and have some fun grilling out. It'd just be a great opportunity for us to have a little bit of a family event there. And then uh, also we talked about our Lighthouse Point location that we announced last weekend that we're super excited about that we're gonna have the opportunity to go to the east side of town and provide a great church experience for everybody that lives over there as well as have a preschool and a kindergarten through fifth grade elementary Christian school that we're gonna be able to provide for people to, to have a Christian education. We're, we're pumped about that, and so we're excited about that. If you're interested in being a part of that location or being a part of the dream team that makes that location happen, they're, they're gonna throw a slide up there that you can text that number, LHP, to that number that's up on the screen. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Pastor Brian's gonna be over there. It's gonna be an incredible, incredible location of what God is doing and just what God is doing in our church in this season. And with all of that, it leads to me to my final thing, which is on June 12th and 13th, we're gonna be having a legacy offering, which is furthering the vision of our church. We do this uh, one, one or two times a year. And so we're gonna be doing that on June 12th and 13th. It's an awesome opportunity for you to give to help make that happen. And we don't actually ask you to give. We actually ask you to pray. I'm unapologetic about that, man. I want you to pray and ask God, how would you want me and my family to be a part of what, God, you're doing right here in South Florida? And then you just be obedient to whatever he says. And I believe that God will do immeasurably more than all he could ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is at work through Jesus Christ in all generations forever and ever, amen. And so we're gonna dive into today's message. And this is the last week of a series that we have called Multiply. It is actually a, a story that is found in all four gospels that we've been focusing on. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's a story of, in fact, let me just say that it's the only miracle story that Jesus is, that is found in all four gospels. So it's kind of a unique thing in that. And so this story is the story of Jesus taking the five loaves and the two fish, multiplying it, hence the name multiply, and feeding what the Bible says is 5,000 men. Scholars believe it was somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people. And so I'm a pastor, so I always take the bigger number. So he feeds 20,000 people because that's what pastors do. And, and so it's, it's really probably the most prominent miracle that Jesus did. It impacted the most amount of people and probably spread his fame throughout the region at a faster rate than any other thing. And so very, very important miracle in the life of Jesus. And so we dove in the first week and we looked at Matthew's gospel account of this. And we said in the first week that the Bible actually says that Jesus was in a deserted place. He was in a lonely place. He was in an empty place because he had experienced some pain and some hurt and some loss. What had taken place is, is that his first cousin, his childhood best friend, John the Baptist had just been murdered by Herod for basically being the forerunner telling them about Jesus's coming. And so Jesus is in a moment where he's grieving, he's hurting, he's going through some moments that we've all experienced 
experienced some pain and some loss in life. And we said in the middle of his pain that Jesus didn't lose his purpose. In fact, we said it like this. Your season of seclusion doesn't mean that you and I, we have to surrender our purpose. Like God still wants to use us in the middle of those painful seasons. We also said that first week that there is a blessing in the breaking in life. Now, we don't really excuse me, enjoy seasons of breaking, but in the breaking process is where we find God most prominent. In fact, all throughout scripture, it shares, God constantly is saying, man, I'm near to the broken heart. I'm close to those who are grieving. I'm in those moments. And I think it's in those moments where we're going through some difficult moments that God shapes us and forms us and creates us into the men and the women and the students that he really wants us to be in life. And we finally said that first week that, you know, good enough is just not good enough. Like God is calling his church, his people to a higher standard in life. Like with all the brokenness, with all the divisiveness, with all the hopelessness that's out there, good enough isn't going to cut it. Like God doesn't just want parts of us. He wants all of us. And and the goal for this series is, is that we would give God access to not just aspects of our life, but all of our life where we would say, God, I surrender it all to you. And then last week, we took a good trip to the dentist's office and we talked about giving. And uh, I, I know nobody really enjoys that, but we said last week that there were, there were kind of four things that we found out of, out of John and Luke's gospel and that, and that we said, number one, that order is important. The, the order in which we, we put God, the order in which we give is important. God doesn't want our leftovers. He doesn't want our scraps. He doesn't want us to give out of, out of the overflow at the end of the month, but God actually wants us to put him first, it's a principle. God wants to be first in every single aspect of your life, your time, your talent, your treasure. He wants to be in that number one spot. And so we said order was important. We also said that obedience is important. Like God wants us to be obedient right away. It's like if you have kids and your kid is running out in the street, you don't wanna count to three, do you? You don't wanna go, Johnny, come back, one. I know that there's a car about to hit you. Two, no, no, no. You want them to turn around and come back right away. That is what God wants from us. When he says do something, he wants us to respond immediately because we're obedient to his call in our life. Then we said uh, that, that organization is important, that God wants to do the miraculous in our life, but we have to be ready to steward those, those things. We have to be organized. We have to have a plan for those things. And then finally, we said, we said that uh, ownership is important that you and I, we have a part to play in the miracle that God is trying to perform here on this earth. And, and God invites us to be a part of the process. And so today we're gonna be looking at Mark chapter six. It's where we're gonna hang out. It's the one gospel we haven't really read at all from so far. And so if you wanna turn in your Bible to Mark chapter six, or you wanna grab that worship God that your butt is on right now and pull that out, look at that. All the scripture is gonna be there for you. It says this. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they're, they're doing so much ministry. They have so much going on that they've gone throughout their day and they haven't even had a chance to eat. It's like one of those days where you just get so ingrained in your work that you miss breakfast, you miss lunch, and it's at the end of the night. You're like, man, I don't think I've eaten all day. Like this is one of the moments they find themselves in. It says they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone, but many people recognized them and saw them leaving. 
And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. So they're trying to get away. Obviously, this is a small body of water. And so people are recognizing Jesus in the boat. They're recognizing the disciples. And instead of just letting them go off, they're like running around on the shore, chasing them down. It was probably pretty much like the scene at the PGA Championship last week. If you're a golfer where, where Phil Mickelson's on the 18th hole and the crowds of thousands of people disregard COVID, disregard everything. They just get all around them. And they're surrounding them. That's what Jesus was experiencing. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's an important phrase right there. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's getting late. That's another key phrase. It's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. The title of today's message, if I was actually going to title this message, and which is something I don't normally do, it would be called, It's Getting Late. Everybody say, It's Getting Late. I said, everybody, you guys are gonna have to do better than that. This is 1130. I've got all day. I don't have a time limit or anything. It's getting late. It's getting late. So it's getting late in this story. The people are hungry. The people are in need. And the people are without a shepherd. It's getting late. How many of you guys have ever used that phrase, it's getting late? Come on, with a show of hands. How many of you guys have used it, it's getting late? I know that every parent out there has used the phrase, it's getting late. Because your kids, when it is time for them to go to bed, you're like, what do you say to them? It's getting late. It's getting late. Like, like, like you need to go, like when you're frustrated and it's only like six o'clock, you're like, it's getting late. <laughs> it's time for you to go to bed. I need a break from you today. How, how, many, how many of you guys love Time Change? Time Change. How many of you guys are big fans of Time Change? Not a lot. Not a lot. I, I, I enjoy this season right now because at five o'clock, I can go out and play 18 holes of golf. But as a parent, you hate Time Change weekends. You hate the Time Change because you'll go, you know what? It's getting late. And they'll be like, it's light outside. It's 8.30, you're like, it's true, but it's getting late. See, I like the other time change where it's like light at six, or it gets dark at six o'clock because you're worn out for them and you're like, it's getting late. They're like, it feels like it's so early. No, no, look, it's dark outside. <laughs> it's time for you to go to bed, son. It's getting late. How many of you guys on New Year's Eve, you, you stay up, you stay up to watch the ball drop. You're like midnight people. Where are my midnight people at? Midnight people. Okay, there's a lot of you in this service. That's right, it's the 1130 service. You all slept in, I, I, know, I know what's up. I, I, I like celebrating like with the London people, you know, it's like seven o'clock. It's getting late, why? Because I don't like to stay up late. So it, like when it's 6.30, seven o'clock, I'm like, baby, it's getting late. It's just getting late. I'm on my way to the airport. I'm one of those people that show up at the airport early. Like, I don't wanna be late for my flight. If you're traveling with me, if you're, if you're keeping me from getting on my flight, I will leave you at TSA. Like, I will leave you there. I don't care if you're my three-year-old. Like, you have a boarding pass, you'll find your way. It's getting late. Don't hold me, I wouldn't do that to Alexander. I would totally do that to Shayla, though. I would like. <laughs> Husbands, you can probably relate to this. I, I don't know about you, but if you're married, you probably have a wife that when you lay down in bed, she likes to start conversations. Come on, come on, husbands, don't raise your hands, but you can just, you can just acknowledge me with your eyes. You know what I'm talking about. It's like you lay down, it's getting late, you wanna go to bed. She wants to have a conversation. 
Yeah, that goes, it's like, guys, it's not a good idea to lift your hands up right there. It's getting late. <laughs> this week, church, is a call to action. It's getting late. It's what are you going to do? Like, what am I going to do? What role are we going to play in the miracles, in the mission, in the ministry of what God has for you and he has for me? And if we go back to the beginning of Mark's gospel, it says that the disciples were on a ministry tour. They were out there. They were evangelizing. They were sharing the gospel with people just like we do here at church. They were out there. They were teaching people. In fact, Jesus said when he looked out of the people, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he begins to teach them. He begins to instruct them. But at the same time, he notices that there are some physical needs that are out there. There are some things that need to take place for these people to really understand and respond to them. And in verse 37, he says, listen, I know that there, there's a hunger that is out there. Here's what I want to happen. I want you to go feed them. So what Jesus said, and this is important for us to recognize and realize today. When Jesus said, you feed them, he wasn't referring to the church as we take it today. See, when we say the church, what we mean is the church building is what we say all the time. Well, the church should do that. Well, I want you to know this. This facility, that's what it is. It's a facility. The church is actually you and me. So when Jesus says you feed them, he isn't referring to the physical building. He's referring to us. As Christ followers, that we don't just have uh, free gifts, but we actually have an immense responsibility to do something with our faith, to make an impact in people's lives out there. And so Jesus says, you feed them. And if you remember in Matthew's gospel, it says that, that, that Andrew actually found this little boy that had a basket with five loaves and two fish. And in the middle of Jesus's teaching, just like I'm doing, Andrew walks up with the basket. Andrew, you wanna walk up right now? Andrew is gonna be Susie today. You guys can all use your imagination. He hands the basket of five loaves and two fish. We didn't put five loaves and two fish in here because we thought they'd be stinky by now. So uh, I'm gonna need y'all to use your five-year-old imagination that there's five loaves and two fish in here. Come on, people, are you with me? Do you got imagination today? So Andrew gives the five loaves and two fish to Jesus. Jesus blesses it. He breaks it. And then he takes the basket with the blessed and broken loaves and fish and he hands it right back to Andrew. And he walks off and he continues to teach. He continues to prophesy. He continues to do the miraculous. And I'm sure at some point he looks over at Andrew and goes like, Andrew, why are you still standing there? Now put yourself in this story. Jesus blessed it and broke it and handed back it to you. You would probably look at this and go, uh, Jesus, you didn't do anything. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. How many of all, if you handed him something and he handed it right back to you and it just was broken, but it was the same exact thing, how many of you guys would think he did something? None of us. There's not a hand raised in here. Why? You'd be like, uh, Jesus, I think you forgot the miracle. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. It's blessed. Have them sit down and you go distribute it. See, what I see a lot of Christians doing is I see them bringing their problems, their issues, their money, their marriage, their ideas to Jesus. They hand it to Jesus, 
and Jesus blesses it, and then he hands it right back to you. And he says, hey, go do something with it. And a lot of us are standing there waiting on the miracle when that miracle is already in our hands. Because here's the deal. If Jesus has blessed it, you have everything you need to build it. If Jesus has blessed it, you have everything in your power to go do it. If he blessed it, you have all that you need. Now he's saying to you, you go do something with it. But Jesus, I only have this one basket. What I found is that, that with Jesus, what's not nearly enough always becomes more than enough when it's blessed. What's not nearly enough, what you think is insufficient, insignificant and insufficient becomes more than enough. And you have to get this today. You have all that you need in your hands when it's been blessed by God. You have all that you need. Well, pastor, I don't have. Well, then you know what? You don't need. Because if you go, God, here is all of me, here is my life, you have access to everything, and God takes that and he blesses it, you have all that you need in this life. And the disciples, when they got that, they saw this one basket feed 20,000 people. In fact, if you were to jump to the end of the story in verses 42 and 43, it says, they all ate, meaning the people, they ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. Now think about this. They were coming into this moment. What were the disciples? They were tired and they were hungry and they were like, man, when are we going to eat? Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and he blesses it, he breaks it. They go out there and they distribute it and they pick up 12 basketfuls of, of food left. Now, the number 12 is significant in the Bible. It actually represents miracles and completion. Now, what's interesting about it is, is how many disciples were there? Come on, this is not a hard question, church. How many disciples were there? Okay, for those of you that couldn't say it, you just got a lot of answers right there. How many disciples were there? 12. I can see you guys. You guys aren't wearing masks, so I can see when you don't respond now. Like, I know who you are. I will call you out. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Okay, that's, that's way better. Twelve disciples. You know what that meant? It meant Jesus packed a doggy bag for every single one of those jokers. So here they come from their ministry tour. They are tired, and they're weary, and they're like, hey, pastor, didn't we do legacy last year? Like, hey, hey, pastor, like we served last year. Like, pastor, we, we did outreach last year. Pastor, we led last year, didn't we? I mean, didn't we do that? When are we going to stop? When is the ministry going to end? And Jesus like, no, no, no. We got a full day of ministry ahead of us. Like, we're not finished because there's people that are still in need out there. Like, we're gonna continue to do this, and you've got to give this. Serving and giving to the cause of Christ will always cost you something. Salvation is free, but the cost of discipleship is, 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 is lay down your life, take up your cross, and follow me. See, we like the free aspect, which gets us into heaven, but the goal isn't that we just get to heaven. The goal is that we look like Christ. 
And if the goal is we look like Christ, and that means that there is a cost to be paid, and it is our life. Now, I want you to get this. Like, they didn't eat first, but they were fulfilled. Like, they actually ended up with more than enough, but it meant that they had to disregard their needs in that moment. And they said, you know what? We're gonna make our focus the cause of serving and giving and loving and sacrificing the cause of Christ. And when we do that, we know that God will take care of everything we want. And what's interesting about this is that if you were to continue to read the very next miracle that Jesus does, he actually sends his disciples out on the boat and he says, hey, you all go ahead. In other words, he set them up with a cruise with a meal plan, right? So what's happening here. And they're out on the boat and in the middle of the night, there's a storm and they see Jesus walking on the water and they think it's a ghost. And Peter goes, hey, if that's really you, God, call me out. And all of a sudden, Peter walks on water. Incredible, incredible miracle. But what I thought was interesting, what God spoke to me this week is that a lot of us, were, we want God to do a miracle for us, but in order to have the miracle for us, it starts with doing a miracle for other people. See, they didn't get to experience the miraculous themselves until they did the miracle for someone else. And a lot of us, we're waiting on God to do a miracle in our life. And God's saying, I put things in your hands to do the miraculous in other people's lives so you can experience the miracle yourself. And some of us need to recognize that it's getting late. It's getting late in heaven and hell are reality. So we have to give Jesus access to everything. In Matthew's gospel, it says we only have five loaves and, and two fish. And so many of us, we, we look at life and we only go, man, God, I only have this one basket. And as long as we have a scarcity mentality, it will keep us from fulfilling God's mission and plan for our life. Like, like, like I only have... Like, pastor, I only have this one day off, how can I serve? Like I, I, like, I can't lead a group. Like, I only have this small one-bedroom apartment. Well, maybe God wants you to lead a small group. And when you lead a small group, if he wants you to have a bigger group, you know what he'll do? He'll give you a bigger apartment. And so many of us are going, well, God, when you give me a bigger apartment and God's going, no, 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 no. When you're faithful with the little that I've given you, then I'll give you more. But until you prove yourself faithful with the little, I can't trust you with the more. And for some of us, what is in your hand is all that God is looking for for your life. Well, God, I only have this little amount of time. I only have this little bit of faith. I only have this little bit of skill. Whatever that little is in the hands of Jesus turns in the miraculous. I wrote it down like this. People who live with we only have mindsets will always live with only what they have. But people who live with my God has everything I need mindsets will be used for the miraculous. It's getting late. It's getting late in people's lives and their eternities are in the balance. And this week I, I found this poem and I'm not really a poet or a spoken word kind of person or even a rapper, even though I would like to be. Um, and, and so I'm gonna read this and it's probably not gonna do it justice, but just, just kind of put yourselves in the story and in the words of this. It's called, It's Getting Late. It says, the crowds push forward, nowhere to go. Jesus stood on mountain, disciples below. They asked him to send the families home, no money for food, not a dollar from Rome. Unshakable disciples, not sure what to do, what to pursue, overwhelmed by need, wouldn't you? 
We can't heal them. We can't feed them. We're stuck. Only five loaves, two fish. Good luck. But Jesus broke the yoke of unprovision, furloughed, bank loaned, bad decisions. He used those disciples to accomplish his mission. Unfit, insecure, lonely, and scared. Five loaves and two fish had been prepared. But Jesus broke the bread in two. Generosity, now even an option for you. Five loaves, two fish, a miracle worldview is all it took for a 5,000 man breakthrough. Will we let what is inconvenient stop us? If it's getting late, will our passion drop us? Despite what the world has put atop us. We will not allow the lies of this world to make us apostles into fossils. Extinct from the fabric of making a difference, the enemy cannot stop our persistence. Because my creator, my Lord, has healed the hurting, clothed the needy, fed the hungry through all resistance. It's getting late. Take what I have, five loaves, two fish. What a difference it can make. And this is our call, church. The, the world is kind of crazy right now. They would have us pick sides, pick fights, pick battles. And instead of picking a side, picking a fight, picking a battle, Jesus chose to pick people. All people. He looked out on them in the divisiveness, in the brokenness, in the hurting. And he had compassion on them. He said, man, they are like sheep without a shepherd. In verse 34. And so what did he do? He began teaching them. And I think that our job as the church, the church being us, is to live our lives in such a way that we're constantly pointing the sheep that are without a shepherd to the good shepherd who can change and transform everything. That is our goal. That is our responsibility. That is our our demand from God that we do with our life. It's the one that can lead them because it's getting late and we are short on time. The Bible says that no man knows the day of the return of Christ and none of us know the day that our life will end either. The only thing that I do know is that you are one day closer to that end today. And that's not negative, that's just facts. We have people all around us and we have access to the miraculous. And God is just asking, will you give me access to what I've already given you so I can bless it and give it back to you so that you can feed them. It's getting late. So clock behind me, and some of you are like, what's been happening there? Is there a malfunction of, uh, in church? We don't really know what's going on. And the clock's just counting down, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17. This is actually a clock letting me know how quickly I need to be done. Like, when does this message end? Like, when is this going to be over? And some of y'all are like, we got five minutes left. This is awesome. Wish this guy would get off the stage. But here's what I know, while that clock is ticking down, I don't have time to stop serving, I don't have time to stop giving, I don't have time to stop leading, because there is a finite amount of time on that clock. Just like there is a finite amount of time to your life. And a lot of us live our lives like there is no end. Like heaven and hell are not a reality of life. 
And while you might know Christ, and so you know where you're going to spend eternity, here's what I know. There are people that are in your family that do not. There are sons and there are daughters. There are parents and grandparents. There are friends and there are family that they don't have all the time in the world. Why? Because it's getting late. It's getting late for them and they're running out of time. It's getting late for the people of Parkland right here around us. It's getting late for the people of Coral Springs and Coconut Creek and Boca. Like time is ticking down. It is getting late for the people in Lighthouse Point and, and, and Pompano Beach and Deerfield Beach. It's getting late for them. It's getting late for, for the person that's in addiction right now. And they're going, man, am I ever going to experience freedom? And we have the hope and we have the deliverer that can break the bondage and slavery that's on their life. It's getting late for them. It's getting late for the, the orphan that's in Africa right now. Those parents have died because of the AIDS epidemic. And they're wondering, is somebody gonna be willing to fund an organization that will go over here and care for us and love us and give us a hope for the future? It's getting late for them. It's getting late for the, for the mom that's contemplating aborting her baby right now. She needs some people to step up and go, man, I will take that kid. I will love that kid. I will take care. You just carry that baby. It's getting late for kids that are being ripped out of their family's homes because of abuse and they're getting put in foster care systems because people won't take the inconvenience of putting them in their home to change their destiny for that child. Church, it's getting late. It's getting late. It's getting late for the people that need healing. It's getting late for the people that need hope. It's getting late for the people that need to experience forgiveness and grace and mercy and love and justice in life. It's getting late. It's getting late and time is running out. See, our time is really, really short and it's really, really long. It's really, really short here on earth, but it's really, really long in eternity. And so shouldn't we, while we have the short amount of time, invest it in a thing that is gonna transform for the longest amount of time so that more people can experience, know, and follow Jesus so we can be in heaven together. It's getting late, and if you call yourself a Christian, you call Coastal your home, man, I'm just calling you to a higher standard. There's no more consumer Christianity. There's no more, there's no more passive Christianity. In fact, if you use either one of those adjectives in front of Christianity, it's not even Christianity. So I wanna be Andrew today, and as I look out into this crowd, here's what I know, is that you have a basket, you have a gift, you have a talent that you meant to consume for yourself, and God is going, listen, that talent that helped you build that business, that, that talent that helped you grow that family and build that marriage and build those children, those gifts and those resources, that time, that effort, will you put it in my hands? And allow me to bless it and put it back in your hands so they can make a difference for all eternity. See, I see you and more importantly, God sees you. And he sees in you the ingredients for a miracle. Will you give it to God and watch him bless it? Hand it right back to you. And transform lives. We have about a minute left here and so I want to talk to those of you that have never given your life to Jesus. It's getting late for you. You have about 53 seconds left. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Do you know if it were to all end today, where you would spend the rest of your existence at? If not, why? 
like God already did all the heavy lifting for you. And today, with 30 seconds left, he is giving you an opportunity to receive him. The bad news is, is it's getting late. The good news is, is you still have time. And God has, because of his amazing grace, given you this moment to change not only your today, but your tomorrow and your forever. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're in here today and you've never received the most amazing grace that there is, that there is a God that loved you so much that while we were still sinners, like right now in the middle of our mess and our shame and our pain and our screw-ups and our sin, the Bible tells us that Christ died for us. So that we can be restored back into relationship with our Creator. So we wouldn't have to continue living without hope and without knowledge of the one who knows us and created us and made us so that we can look more like him. The Bible says that if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts, that we shall be saved. And maybe today is the day that you need to confess for the first time or the first time in a long time. And you need to, to be restored back into a relationship with God. I'm not talking about rules or religion. I'm talking about knowing your creator who paid the ultimate price for you so that you wouldn't have to continue to allow life to get laid on you because you know where you're going to spend eternity. If that's you out there today and you would say, you know what, Pastor TJ, I need to, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to surrender my will and my way. I need to give him access to everything for the first time or the first time in a long time with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you, one. Yes, ma'am, two. Thank you. Yes, sir, three, I see you. Yes, ma'am, four. Anybody else? Yes, sir, five. I see you back there. Thank you. Anybody else? Don't miss your moment. If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus down to this earth to live a perfect life, a life that I could never attain, and die a sinner's death, the death that I deserved. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins here today. God, begin to cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. And God, thank you that Jesus went down into the grave. He died, and three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating death, hell, and the grave, so that I would never have to experience it. God, I ask you to come into my heart, take over. God, I surrender my will. I'll surrender my way. God, I give you access, not just to the parts of my life that I like and the parts that I don't like, but I give you access to everything. And I ask you to fill me with your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your mercy, your grace forevermore. God, help me to follow you all the days of my life. God, and I ask that you would use me to be a vessel to help other people because it's getting late. In heaven and in hell are reality, and we want everyone to spend as much time as we can there with us together. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.